Buddy, this is Chris. Welcome to episode 247 of X-Lapsed, where we are literally knocking on the door, or, or getting getting darn close to knocking on the door of 250, a quarter of a thousand episodes of this program. How about that? Now today we're going to be talking about a book whose cover has haunted me for what feels like a year now. This is an issue of Marauders with a with Tempo and Banshee on the cover that I swear, and I think I said this last episode, I swear this thing was solicited... 150 years ago, <laughs> and here it's finally, finally in my hot little hands, and we are going to discuss it in full right about now. Now, this is Marauders number 23, which had an October 2021 cover date. The story's called Time for Tempo, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Ivan Fiorelli, colors Rain Barreto, letters VCs Corey Petit, designs Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman, Edits, Amaro, Bisa, White, Sabolski, cover price $3.99, went on sale August 18th of 2021. Now we open with a mostly blank quote page, and this is a quote from Cyclops, wherein he talks about how, even though Tempo wasn't elected to the X-Men, she's still super cool. Now he actually uses the phrase, time for Tempo, which feels pretty off-brand for him. And, uh, well, you know, even if it is time for Tempo... She doesn't even get a little mention on our double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred. This page only includes Emma Frost, the Stepford Cuckoos, Wilhelmina Kensington, Banshee, and Call Me Kate. Now we open with... Who else? Emma Frost, as she dutifully recaps some of what's been going on of late. Now, did you guys know that there was just a gala? Because there sure was. Now let me tell you, it was evidently the biggest party the planet's ever seen. Also, speaking of planets, the mutants terraformed one of those. Also, the Scarlet Witch was murdered. And when Emma finds out who done it, she's going to murder them. Plus, the Marauder, the, the ship, not the team or book, was a total loss after being attacked. Now, we saw this play out in one of the Gala books, as well as in recent issues of Wolverine. This was all apparently set up by Wolverine's Muramasa twin, Solemn. Now, Emma claims that insurance won't cover the damages because aliens were the last ones on board. Huh. Okay, I didn't know there was an act of aliens clause in insurance policies. But more than that, I didn't think that there would be an insurance company on the planet who would cover superhero vehicles. That just seems to be a bad idea any way you look at it, doesn't it? Now, these aliens, we might assume, are the Iraqi pirates who didn't go to Mars, and, uh... Well, they were from Amenth, which is an alien land, I guess, so it all works out. Finally, the mutant magic meds are currently in short supply, which has led to a upswell of an actual black market, not the Hellfire trading black market, you know. 
So let's look at it here. We lost the Marauder, which may have been carrying a load of drugs. Also, the Savage Land facility was blowed up over an X-Corp, so uh, I guess that's why we're in short supply right now. All right, that's enough catch-up. Let's get this story rolling. Emma is contacted by Banshee, who is fighting with one of the new Reavers in Ireland. You see, someone from the Irish Constabulary? Constabulary? I I don't know how to say that word. Um, I'm going to assume they are a police force of some sort. Now, they called into Cassidy for some help on this one. Now, if you recall, during the gala, remember, there was a gala, Reuben What's-His-Face of the friggin' Coven of Witches, who now represent the UK on the global stage, broke the treaty with Krakoa. So mutant magic meds are in even shorter supply on the island. And baddies have gotten wind of this, and they're trying to corner the market. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, Banshee's sonic scream appears to shred one of these reavers to pieces. Like, literally pieces. He, He could not have survived this. And do we count new reavers as human? Uh, I guess if so, we ought to get our pre-orders in for the upcoming five-part miniseries X-Men colon The Trial of Banshee. Though maybe the reavers are post-human enough to make them safe to murder. Who knows? Now, rather than just leaving it at that, uh, Banshee feels the need to drag us into flashback land with him to actually show us his pal in the constabulary uh, contacting him. Probably for no other reason than to have this guy try and use Siri on his iPhone to call him, only to realize that he has 17 contacts in his phone named Sean Cassidy. Laugh, damn it, that's funny. Um, I gotta ask, is Cassidy really that popular of a last name in Ireland? Um, I'm pretty sure Banshee and Siren are the only Irish, you know, Ireland Irish Cassidys that I've ever heard of. Though I am just an ignorant American. Um, thankfully, I do have access to an internet. So I did a check of a top 100 Irish surnames website. Didn't find Cassidy anywhere on it. Though, uh, Sheehan is number 77. And it means peaceful, by the way. Also, I am not listed among notable Sheehans. So uh, maybe one of these days they'll say uh, the idiot from uh, X-Lapsed is a, is a Sheehan. Anyway... From here, Banshee arrives in Ireland, and much to his surprise, the Russian mob is there alongside the Irish underground to meet him. Because, of course they are. They're mad that they haven't gotten the drugs that they'd already ordered and paid for, and I'm guessing this is likely Shaw business. You know, the hellfire trading black market hoodoo, since Russia itself is not signed on with any Krakoan treaty. A shootout commences, it's Russian on Irish, and they both want the meds, you see. Then, to make matters worse, this is when the new friggin' Reavers show up and they toss a bomb into the middle of the fracas with a timer ticking down from 30 seconds. Just then, the marauders arrive. Uh, Well, some of the marauders arrive. Well, two, I guess, marauders arrive. It's Emma and Call Me Kate. I I guess Lockheed is here, too. So two and a half members of the marauders. They are flanked by Tempo and Jumbo Friggin' Carnation. So he's actually on the team now? Ugh. Uh, Tempo says that this whole thing is sus which probably appeals to the demographic that doesn't read comics and never will. And Jumbo hops right into action. Oddly enough, he's, you know, he's being drawn as beating the hell out of a reaver here. From here, Emma uses her powers to make the gangsters leave the area. Tempo is tasked with using her powers to slow down the ticker on the time bomb. She says she can buy them one minute for every second left on the clock. And unfortunately, that only leaves them with uh, three minutes, give or take. Now, one of the Reavers lets loose with a flamethrower gimmick that bathes Jumbo in flame, but Mr. Carnation has Teflon skin, you see. And yeah, this is not a new mutation. This is a a Morrison original from back in the long ago. 
From here, Tempo was able to slow the time bomb down long enough for everyone to get out of the warehouse. And the warehouse, by the way, looks to have been plopped down right in the middle of a suburban neighborhood. Usually I'd pick something like that apart for being unrealistic, but of late, in my own suburb, they've been dropping storage facilities right across the street from very expensive homes, so uh, who am I to argue with this? Anyway, just as the bomb goes off, Call Me Kate grabs Tempo and together they phase, and so the explosion doesn't affect either of them. As this happens, Tempo thinks to herself about her time in the MLF, and that is the Mutant Liberation Front, that terrorist crew run by Strife back in the early 90s. She was one of them. As the dust settles, Kitty invites Tempo to join the Marauders permanently, and gets a firm maybe as a reply. Meanwhile, Emma is chatting up the rival gangs and tells them that their orders will be fulfilled, and the mutant magic meds will be in their grubby hands in a matter of days, not weeks. She also lets us know that she hasn't forgotten the rest of the cast of this book by informing us that... Bishop is in South America, Iceman is in Asia, Pyro is... <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. Emma probably forgot he's on the team anyway. From here, we shift scenes completely back over to the Cuckoos in Kensington. Now, they meet up with Wilhelmina's abusive father and let him know that everyone now knows what he did to his little girl. All of his neighbors are suddenly filled with this knowledge, and so it's going to follow him around until the day he dies. Well, that's a good news-bad news situation because, uh... Well, he's about to die right now. You see, the cuckoos, after delivering their message, they leave the building. And once they're outside and on the sidewalk, we see Bad Daddy get chucked out a window to his demise. Emma checks in to remind them not to do anything that might get them tossed in the hole, which, yeah, they didn't technically kill Daddy Kensington. Uh, they facilitated it, yeah, but, well, they didn't actually toss him out the window to his demise. From here, we get a reminder that mutants are, in fact, feared and hated when some ignorant goof wanders up to call the cuckoos muties. Now, to show how peaceful they are, the cuckoos instruct this fella to punch himself in the face until his teeth fall out. From here, we jump ahead to Madripoor, where Wilhelmina quits Omenes Verandi, and she does this by kicking Cade Kilgore in the nuts. It's worth noting, um, she's not in one of her foofy dresses here. She's dressed more like a Boom Boom or a Punky Brewster here. So I don't know if that's an attitude change or an evolution of the character or what it might be. I don't know. Now we wrap up this issue with an info page, and it's an excerpt from a romance novel written by Pyro. And I could only imagine that this is here to remind us that Pyro is, in fact, a member of the Marauders cast. And that is where we leave it. Uh, next time out, we will be covering the final issue of Way of X, a very bittersweet episode coming our way, but... I guess we should talk about this issue of Marauders, shouldn't we? Um, I really wanted to like it. I like it a lot. I wanted to like it a lot more than I actually did. I feel like this book has uh, kind of lost its identity and lost a bit of its direction. And we're going to talk about maybe one reason why that is uh, at the very end of this episode, because we do have some news on the future of this uh, of this title. And I mean, I probably just gave it away, didn't I? Uh, now, this issue felt very much like a fill-in both in writing and the art. This didn't feel like a Duggan script. This felt like treading water, buying time for something. It just didn't feel like a value-added chapter of the Marauder's story. Um, felt very much like a, just an off month, like a, like a inventory story, and really didn't do much for me. The art, the art was okay. It wasn't like bad by any stretch, but everybody looked a little bit off model. 
I could say this felt like an X-Men Unlimited story. Um, I guess I could say it felt like two X-Men Unlimited stories, since this was a this is really a tale of two stories here, and both of them felt, like I said, just a little bit off. One thing about this book is I'm really getting tired of not seeing our cast. Just way, way, way too much Emma in this book. And I, I understand that she's, you know, I guess kind of the star of it. Uh, I feel like uh, this was originally going to be a uh, Call Me Kate vehicle, right? This felt like uh, very much Kitty Pride's book, or Kate Pride's book, I suppose. But, I mean, it feels like the only story they had for her was her dying and coming back. And ever since that happened, we really haven't seen much of her. Because, I mean, if we look at it here, she died in issue 6, I believe, and came back right before X Attends. She did not have any part in X of Tens. Uh, after that was over, we saw her and Emma cripple Sebastian Shaw, and that was it. She hasn't done much of anything else. She's uh, kind of been relegated to being maybe a higher-profile bit of X-Men wallpaper here because well, this is the Emma Frost show, and <laughs> we need to talk about Emma. Every time Emma's on, on panel, we need to be talking about her, and every time she's not there, we got to wonder what she's up to. It's... Uh, just a bit too much. Um, also, uh, can, can we please drop Jumbo Carnation? <laughs> I'm so tired of him. He hasn't yet broken out of the funny haha character for me. I feel like every time he's there, it's kind of like a, a like a nudge to our ribs. Like, hey, it's it's this funny dude. It's it's Jumbo, and the joke's done. You know, the joke is played out. I'm I'm tired of him, and I could do without the constant reminders that hey, we had a gala. We had a gala. Hey. Remember the gala? We had a gala. Yeah, it was a, it was a big party. It was it, something that happened, and boy, was it cool. Can, can, can we just move on? Like, let's let's progress a little bit. And again, where's our team? Where's the team for this book? The last time we saw the members of this team, I think they were playing dice while avoiding being inside the Hellfire Gala. I think that was it. It's They deserve more than that. They deserve better than that. Um, let's see here. The Hellfire Tots situation here. It was what it was, I guess. I don't know what the big plan is for Wilhelmina Kensington. I I don't know if we're going to be moving her into an A-list spot or if she's going to become an ally to the Krakoans. I'm not sure that I care either way, which is unfortunate, but uh, I guess it's something. But I do want to talk about uh, what went down with her father because... I feel like we're trying to eat our cake and have it too here. Um, we're doing a, we're talking about a very very serious subject, uh, you know, sexual abuse of a child, and that's something that happens in the real world. It's something that I'm sure many people can relate to, and it was treated in a very strange way. I mean, we're supposed to be taking this at face value that this man did something unspeakable to Wilhelmina, which totally, you know, shattered her uh, perception and sense of self. So she is this, you know, twisted, murdering kid now. And the situation is ultimately resolved with uh, Bad Daddy getting chucked out a window and plummeting to his death like Wile E. Coyote. Which, to me, it's a little bit hard to reconcile, because we're dealing with something very, very real in a fairly unrealistic and cartoonish sort of way. And, uh, I don't know, it just didn't jive for me. But that isn't to say that there was uh, nothing that I liked about this issue. Um, I really dug Tempo's trial by fire here. Unfortunately, I, uh, we're going to talk about something at the end of the show that's probably going to be something of a moot point. <laughs> um, and again, I probably ruined the, the big news here, but uh, it feels like maybe we're a little late in the game to be really altering our cast all that much, in a, in, in a meaningful way anyway. 
Um, it was nice seeing Banshee and Emma together again. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Generation X series that had them running the Massachusetts Academy. It's not often we get to see them hanging out, so that was pretty cool. But I don't know that Banshee's going to be like a full-time member of this team, or if this was just a one-off. It feels more like a one-off of convenience. You know, the story takes place in Ireland, so hey, let's let's pull a prominent, you know, the prominent Irish character here and just have him kind of there, tagging along. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, Banshee was who I voted for in the X-Men election here. I feel like Banshee has been... Kind of ignored for a very, very long time And I'd love to see him get more of a prominent role in the X-Books Overall, I think I would put this among the weaker chapters of the Marauders run uh, Perhaps the, you know, low point in it uh, to this point Though maybe they are trying to get all their ducks in a row for something that's coming up And I was going to save this for the end of the episode, but what the hell, right? <laughs> Let's get into the little bit of news that we have here. It's uh, from uh, that website that uh, that has cool bleeding from it um, that I don't like going to, but uh, I do every once in a while for, uh, for the show. And uh, on that site, I found out that looks like Marauders is ending in December. And uh, Jerry Duggan did tweet out that this series was always meant to run a certain amount of issues, and it looks like that magic number was 27. And, you know, we will, of course, cover the solicits next month, but uh, we'll talk a little bit about the solicit for Marauders number 27. Now, the big headline is The Sun Sets on the Marauders. The blurb reads, The Marauders' first tour comes to a close as the shakeups within the Hellfire Trading Company crystallize. Will any of the inner circle remain standing, and can the crew survive the changes happening around them? So what does all that mean? Um, I think that means that uh, Marauders number 27 is the end of at least this volume of Marauders. Whether this leads to a reboot, relaunch, whatever you want to call it, uh, I suppose we'll have to wait until the following month's uh, solicitations to see if that's the case. We do know that there's a couple of uh, notable launches coming our way in January of 2022 uh, with uh, the X-Lives and Deaths of Wolverine as well as Sabretooth. And, you know, scrolling down this news item from uh, Bleeding Cool here, it looks like December might not just be the end for Marauders. Um, Sword might be ending, and Excalibur, Ding Dong, the the Coven of Witches, might be dead. Uh, Let's take a look at those solicits here. Now, Sword number 11, the headline reads, The Final Frontier? Sword Station 1 is crashing to Earth. The Lethal Legion is poised to destroy the diplomatic zone. Abigail Brand is ready to make her next move, but how far ahead did she plan? How many losses will she accept? How many bodies will she leave in her wake? Though it doesn't really feel like it's uh, quite as sure a thing as Marauder's ending, The Final Frontier sounds... kind of final. (laughs) Um... This is uh, Sword number 11, and uh, Excalibur number 26, the headline reads, Otherworld Falls. Hmm. Uh, Merlin and King Arthur have taken the, uh, taken the Starlight Citadel. Saturnine still lives, but not for long. Betsy Braddock must decide once and for all where her loyalties lie. It's all been building to this. The fantasy ends here, and reality rushes in. There is no haven for the witch breed. Can they hold on to their champion here at the Twilight of an age, which sounds kind of final, and it makes me wonder if maybe in January we will get that Gambit number one. I'm feeling like uh, January 2022 is going to be a very exciting month for the X-Books. Uh, we know we have Hellions ending, looks like Marauders is ending, Sword might be ending, Excalibur might be ending, New Mutants, 
doesn't look like it's ending. It looks like it's getting a new status quo. Uh, X-Force looks like it's going on, and Wolverine, I'm not sure if it's going to be something that's put on hiatus for the X-Lives, X-Death situation, or if it's going to run alongside it, or if it's ending. The solicit really doesn't give us any hints to what the fate of that title will be. Um, So it looks like, come January, uh, the only... Original Dawn of X books will have left our uh, New Mutants and X-Force Of course we have X-Men, it's a different volume But uh, yeah, this seems like it's going to be a very exciting and uh, potentially tumultuous time in the X-Books And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what the next step will be Anyway, with all that out of the way, let's hop into today's mailbag here We're going to start with Evan, who's talking about X-Force number 20 He says, this was the issue that made me think, A... This really is Hank McCoy, and B, this really is Dark Beast. When Beast was talking philosophy at the gala, I was reminded that even though he's a science guy, he's always been portrayed as interested in intellectual pursuits of all kinds. So why wouldn't he want to use his brain to solve the problems of Krakoa? So maybe this isn't all that out of character for him in a world where mutants are moving past human concepts like morality. That's a very interesting point, and that's uh, definitely something we've been talking about a lot. Anytime Beast comes into a conversation, you know, the the post-morality of uh, Hank McCoy is certainly something that we, we do toss around and juggle. I find that discussion to be very, very interesting, and uh, I apologize if, uh, if the folks listening don't, because I know I do drone on about it quite a bit. Um, Evan continues. On the other hand, that info page, that thing about a benevolent god only... Hey, why not a furry mutant sounds like Dark Beast trying to almost parody the real McCoy? Maybe your theory about a mixture of the two is right on. Now, that was a theory we floated um, re-the resurrection protocols here, like uh, what what goes into a new Hank McCoy when he comes back, right? We have memories of both beasts. We have to imagine are are in Cerebro. So uh, who's to say that Professor X didn't use a Cerebro cradle as a blender? It's possible, isn't it? Um, Evan continues. I'm personally waiting for Cyclops to go back in time to the moment right after Beast brought the original X-Men to the present in order to shock Scott out of his craziness, bring that Beast to Krakoa and, and go, no, no, please continue. And boy, looking back at that, that's all. that whole thing is quite a mess, isn't it? Um, I, I tried looking at that when it happened as being sort of kind of in character in as far as like being a last-ditch effort for Hank to try to scare Scott straight. But, I mean, the more we think about it, and I guess the further distanced from that story that we become, it just feels like the stupidest thing Beast or any other character could have done. And uh, makes me feel like it was yet another case of cramming, you know, the round peg into a square hole because, damn it, that's the story Bendis wanted to tell, and damn it, we needed to get there, and... Damn it, who cares if we ruin some of these characters? Uh, they, these characters were meant to be ruined. And, of course, mileage may vary on whether or not these characters were ruined, but uh, an argument could be made for sure. But thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that issue, Evan. Uh, next up, we got Walt talking about X-Men Unlimited Volume 3 Number 1. Walt says, I was pleasantly surprised by your Sunday morning coverage of X-Men Unlimited, though I was even more looking forward to your thoughts on It's Jeff. And I tell you, um, I was surprised as well, <laughs> because the uh, day that I wrote up that script, I was not planning on uh, releasing that episode for probably a week or two, but that was when I found out that X-Men Unlimited was going to be weekly, <laughs> and I had to uh, 
make sure I got it in there, lest they not pile up, and lest they not eat up several days of our month. Walt continues, I appreciated the X-Men one well enough for being a generic, not specific time or obvious to me tie into anything else going on. As a free thing, I didn't think it was horrible, though I wasn't overly impressed. I'll gladly take it on Marvel Unlimited versus something like Comixology, and on that subject, does Comixology even exist anymore? I think they're folding into Amazon proper. And yeah, I, uh, I believe they are folding into Amazon. I uh, think I got an email about that. I don't remember ever signing up for a Comixology account, but I guess I have one. <laughs> Which, I mean, sure, I guess, why not? But yeah, as I mentioned, I think for the first two uh, installments of X-Men Unlimited, the price is right. You know, it's uh, it's free with the subscription, at least for now. It's free with our subscription, so you, we're not paying anything extra for it. This is money that was coming out of our wallets either way. So if they're going to give us extra content, I mean, for all the money that uh, that I pour into Marvel month after month and year after year, if they're going to give me something for free, I will gladly take it. Uh, Walt continues, This is definitely the sort of thing I'd expect from what I remember of X-Men Unlimited. I also appreciated your reminders of some of the early stuff and then later stuff with tie-ins. I particularly remember the first few issues and then vaguely recall the issue with Dark Beast, as well as the one around Apocalypse the Twelve or Ages of Apocalypse or whatever around 1999. And yeah, that was an attempt, I guess, to make X-Men Unlimited something again. I remember it felt like every year they would do some sort of shakeup where they would promise us that X-Men Unlimited was going to matter. You know, from this point on, X-Men Unlimited is going to matter. And they'd get like one issue out that sort of kind of did. It tied in with something. It made, it added some flavor to what was going on in the main books or told a story that was going to resonate in the other books. But then like right after that, it would fall back to being a book that I think Marvel forgot that they were even putting out until it came out to be in like a week before they had to get it in the uh, in the stores. It's like, oh crap, do we have any X-Men stuff written? <laughs> do we have any X-Men stories drawn that we could just send to the printers right this minute? I don't care if it fits, where it fits, if it makes sense, if it's in English, just let's get it to the printer right away. Walt continues, the real star of the app in Infinite Comics for me is absolutely It's Jeff. I noticed yesterday, Saturday, was the th- that the third one was already available, though I had not paid attention to the dates and assumed that backdating was there originally. If they want to keep backdating and adding one every couple of days, I'd be down for it. The first two Jeff strips were so thoroughly enjoyable, adorable, and awesome to me that I had a huge grin after reading them, and they totally made my night. I cannot remember a time that I so thoroughly, in and of itself, flat out enjoyed reading something. And yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it's Jeff is is stupid smile territory, for sure. I'm just sitting there with a dopey grin on my face like, this is just, this is great. This is something that I want so much more of. And uh, if they're going to, if they if they ever put out a physical version of this, I will. I will buy two copies of it. <laughs> I want to have a physical copy of It's Jeff, for sure. Uh, Walt continues with, I think you'd asked on Facebook or commenting, wondering if Jeff could hold his own headlining his own thing. As an actual strip thing with gags and such, I think absolutely he can. I don't think he'd work as some full-length or feature story thing, but these strips just really hit the sweet spot. Known but fairly obscure character with no ongoing or self-titled book, he's like a super pet or something. Having seen these three strips, I absolutely love the format and character like this. And yeah, totally. Um, Sight Unseen, I commented, either on Facebook or on, on one of the social media places, that I wondered if um, if Jeff could shoulder a book, if he could be a leading man shark, right? 
Because again, this was sight unseen, and I wondered if they were going to try to uh, make him less just an, ador- an adorable, cute little side thing into a ironic sort of funny haha character, which you guys know me, I'm not a fan of the funny haha characters. You know, where it's like the nudge to the ribs, like, hey, hey, this is funny, laugh at it. it they didn't go that way. Uh, Kelly Thompson just absolutely killed it with these uh, strips. I only read the first two so far, but it's not often I read something. I mean, can we even say we read it? There are no words in it. But uh, it's the first time in a long time that I've experienced something that I've uh, I've just enjoyed so purely and without any sort of cynicism and just uh, absolutely adored it. I can't wait for more. I know there are two or three more chapters already up on Marvel Unlimited, uh, but we're going to we're gonna stick to one a week for now. Uh, we're going to do them alongside X-Men Unlimited. And again, hey, uh, Marvel, if anybody's listening and you want to put out a physical version, I can guarantee you you'll sell at least two copies, because I'll, I'll buy two. <laughs> or you know what? Better yet, maybe put out the It's Jeff things as uh, those Halloween comics, you know? Get, do, give us a Halloween story that we can give out to trick-or-treaters. I think, uh, I think Jeff might be... He might be a gateway character. He might be a gateway character. Throw some cameos in there or some heavy hitters in the Marvel Universe, and you never know. We might find ourselves with a, a new generation of fans, all thanks to a tiny little land shark and uh, me for coming up with the Halloween giveaway idea. <clears throat> anyway, thank you so much for opining on the Marvel Infinity, Marvel Unlimited Infinity Comics offerings, <laughs> Walt. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Next up, we got Peter talking about Excalibur number 19. Now, Peter says, I'll add to Damien's comment about Malice. This was also not when she got the boob window. She had an S&M spiky mass biker bar babe leather bikini with tattered red cap thing going on that I think we can all agree was a fantastic look. I think the boob window showed up around 40 or 50 issues later due to every female superhero needing to have some the same big ol' implants body back in the 90s. I call this roguing. And yes, this is a callback to my lack of familiarity with Malice and kind of conflating the two different Malices into one character. Uh, we did do a fake-ass comics history on the Malice character, I believe, with Excalibur number 20. So the issue after this one, wherein uh, I realized finally that the Malice that infected Sue Storm with her boob window is a different Malice than the one with the uh, spiky choker who has been uh, hanging out with the Marauders, the legacy Marauders, and uh, screwing with the X-Men for 30, 35 years now. But thank you so much for writing in and also giving us the term roguing, Peter. (laughs) Really, really appreciate it. Now that'll do it for today's dip into the mailbag. If anyone out there would like to be a part of the mailbag, I would love for you to do so, to join the conversation. You can do so several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can call into the X-Lapsed voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. You can go to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com for blog posts and show notes, and you can also leave messages there if that's convenient for you. You can join us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men, where we are all aflutter about the pending potential cancellations and uh, the new titles that might take their place. So if you'd like to talk about that or, you know, anything, feel free to join up. I look forward to seeing you there. Finally, for the Chris and Reggie audio archives, you can head to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. You'll find all things X-Lapsed there. And, of course, that's available anywhere you find noise on the Internet. 
Now, before we cut out of here, let's do some shout-outs here. This is some thank yous to folks who clicked the little interactivity buttons on social media when I shared the uh, last couple of shows here. I would like to thank on Twitter the Scary Stuff Podcast, Jeremiah, Walt Neeland, Chris Bailey, Jason Colby, Mark Jagger, Dave Schultz, The Long Box of Darkness, Into the Weird, Joe Crawford, Lil Tom 2099, Billy D, Ed Moore, and Between the Pages blog. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Pat Sampson, Andrew Franklin, Chris Bailey, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, and Billy D. Thank you all so much for helping to uh, signal boost this little program and uh, for believing in little old me enough to uh, to click those uh, little interactivity buttons. It really means the world to me. It means too much to me, as I've said before and will probably say again. <laughs> so thanks again. And while on the subject of thank yous, I will leave you with one final thank you to everyone listening for uh, allowing me to keep you company for a little while today. It really does mean so much to me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.